Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Oh, welcome to Choose Life Radio. We are excited to have you with us today. I'm Jill Taylor, your host, and we have a second opportunity. Last week we had a wonderful discussion with Kristen Hawkins, who is the person who actually had the ability to conceive of the opportunity to speak to students for for life and then made the organization happen and I believe remains the CEO. Am I right? Are you the CEO? Kristen? That's right. Great. Well, Students of Life of America, the largest pro-life youth organization, I believe, and you're headquartered in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Is that correct? That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how many groups do you think you're up to at this point on colleges and high school campuses? 1,209. Oh, my goodness. And you're in all 50 states. Is that correct? That's right. Well, as we talk again today, I would love to have at some point that you tell us, or maybe right now we start off with you letting us know, how could Students for Life start a group in their community? How would you recommend they best do that? Well, I think you know the easiest thing is to give us a call, shoot us an email at info at studentsforlife.org, and we'll, we have everything you need to get started. In the pro-life movement, we have you know your entire kit to launch, we have everything, you know, you need for your first activities even, but we can help you get started and we can we can walk with you every step of the way. Everything we do at Students for Life is really me correcting what I did wrong <laughs> as a student leader <laughs> uh, what, and things and information I wish I would have had and things I would have wished I would have known. So we do a lot of leadership training and coming to your campus to, to train you and mm-hmm. uh, how to be a, an effective advocate and how to speak out, and then also how to like grow your group and how to defend your beliefs and stand mm-hmm. up for your beliefs. Which is so um, important. And how to get involved yeah. in your community. So we do all kinds of trainings, but the main point is we'll be there and we'll walk with you step by step. We'll help you make a plan for what, you know, what's going on in your school. What do we need to address? What do we need to talk about? What resources need to be provided on your campus? So yeah, it's super easy to get started. You just email me at info at studentsforlife.org. If you if you want to start a pro-life group in a middle school, high school, college campus, med school, law school, if you know somebody who wants to get started, if there's a young person in your life who uh, you think they would be an ideal prospect for kind of taking on this leadership, mm-hmm. or if you just have a church or a parish youth group that you want our team to talk about. What's so cool about the way we organize our team is we have more than 20 regional coordinators who travel the country, who don't live at our headquarters in Fredericksburg, Virginia, actually live in the states, and their sole job is to travel campus to campus to campus, church to church to church to talk about this issue. Uh, I love going to speak at church youth groups because often you've got a collection of students who are in various grade levels um, who and who are also, you know, in different schools. And so we can go and talk and, and really make the case for why, why there needs to be an active voice for life on a college and high school campus. Wow. You know, there's, here's my experience as a director in a center. There are two sides of this approach. One is, let's be relatively quiet, but available for 
people to come and and have an appointment and have a counselor who loves them and sits down with them and and walks through what their their options are and then offers life options at the end and offers free ultrasound and free material and and help for the next two years or three years or four years as your child grows. That is often, uh, we would call a pregnancy center somewhere, and it may be from a Catholic church or from a Christian uh, church or whatever, and they remain pretty much independent. And then you also have organizations like yeah, 40 Days for Life might be one that has, uh, or, or just, just people who are on a life chain. They're standing in front of an abortion clinic, and uh, some of them are being extremely polite and just saying, I'm praying for you, but others might be screaming, you are killing your child. This is, you know, the last chance your child has to live. Mm-hmm. And so these two organizations don't work well together because they're trying to protect God, (laughs) both of them are trying to protect God, in essence, whereas God Mm -hmm. is trying to provide opportunities to women and men to make life decisions. So how do we do a better job of melding our skills together so that there is more of a oneness and people can find quickly help? Yeah, and that's what's so cool is when you were talking about that, I was like, I'm thinking, well, this is what we do. We have this opportunity in Students' Life to kind of be that kind of bridge gap between the different organizations because, you know, we have so many young people and, and they're and they're interested in different things, right? They've been called to different niches of the pro-life movement. They have different skill sets, different personalities. So one of the things that we really try to push with our students are the five pillars. There are five pillars we call of pro-life engagement and to have a strong, successful pro-life group, you need to be involved in all five of those things, even though you may not be the one leading that specific pillar. You know, supportive services, that's the pregnancy center movement, right? Changing the policies on the college campus to support pregnant parent students. Public policy, that's lobbying, that's getting involved. Your state capital or Washington, D.C. Industry impact, that's protesting in front of, you know, Planned Parenthood fundraisers, praying or sidewalk counseling in front of abortion facilities. Um, and so we kind of go through these different these five different pillars of how young people can get involved and, and really why they should, you know, why we need that. And I think it helps to bring unity to the pro-life movement to say, look, we're all needed someplace in the pro-life movement. There's a place for all of us in the pro-life movement and we're all valuable. And so I think that helps kind of bring that unity. It also, I've seen it help in communities where we, we've seen this disconnect where the pregnancy center says, well, we don't want to be out there from the, you know, the abortion facility. We don't want women coming in, recognizing us, thinking that we were protesting them when we weren't. But then the people out from the, the, the abortion facility who do talk to women don't have any business cards for the pregnancy center. Um, um, and, and they're not given. And so we're, we, you know, we tell students, get the information for the pregnancy center, get the 1-800 number, get the website. And when you're out there, you're making sure that every woman you talk to, okay. every woman sees the help of the pregnancy center, even though it's not the pregnancy center who feels called to be out there. Right. And so, yeah, I do look at it sometimes as we kind of can provide that that gap between the different niches in the movement because we're always seeking to get students involved in so many unique aspects. Right. Well, that's a great explanation. I greatly appreciate you you sharing this uh, with our listeners as well as with me. You are changing my thinking pattern as well. So this is good, Kristen. 
One of the things that uh, I want to read out loud is a post from one of your, your uh, probably one of your volunteers back in March, when she sure. said, why have students for life at a Christian young youth conference? I'll tell you why. One, no one in my sessions knew abortion was legal through all nine months of pregnancy, mm-hmm. and they were shocked. Two, no one knew that some estimate one in three women will experience abortion in her lifetime and that more than half of women getting abortions report being religiously affiliated or attending church once a month. Again, they were shocked. Three, most were personally pro-life but had no idea what to do about it, and now at least five new clubs should be starting up in the Pennsylvania area before Planned Parenthood can get to them. Four, one girl approached me after my session to shake my hand and say, up until today, I was pro-choice. I had pro-life parents and family members try to explain it to me, but this session just made it all click. Of course, everyone deserves equal rights. Well, what a powerful post that is, Kristen, and and that's exactly why we're having this program, Choose Life Radio, on Christian Ministries, because so many people really haven't, they've kind of closed closed the doors on it. And I I just want to say many pastors aren't comfortable talking about this. There's someone in their congregation who has had an abortion, or there's someone in their congregation who has probably asked their daughter to have an abortion, or their son to pay for an abortion. And so we as Christians sometimes don't hear what we need to hear. I just have to applaud that your 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 groups are reaching into churches and working with students there as well. So tell me a little bit about how that goes uh, when you you said you love to go into church groups because the students are from different schools and so you're impacting perhaps more schools at one time. Tell me what you what you share with them. Sure. Well, you share a lot of what Michelle just laid out in that blog of did you know abortion's illegal? Did you know this is how many abortions, you know, more than 60 million abortions have been committed in our country? Did you know abortion hurts women, that women come to regret abortion? Did you know that abortion doesn't solve a woman's problems, that it only creates new ones? Mm -hmm. Um, So we spend a lot of time just educating, kind of disputing and dispelling some of those myths that young people have heard, sadly, about abortion. Um, Saying, you know, this is the reality, right? This is what's actually happening in abortion. So then, hopefully by that point, they're kind of outraged of like, why didn't I know about this? Like, Mm -hmm. I need to do something more. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's our opportunity to say, okay, and now we can tell you, here's what to do. Here's how to get involved. Yeah. How many people does it take to actually start an organization? Does it just take one person with a real passion? Honestly, (laughs) it takes one person who's willing to stand up. And that one person's got to go and recruit four more people three more people to have that core group. But honestly, it just takes one. And I and say it, it's not always easy. Sometimes we'll go to a campus that we really want to start a pro-life group at, and we can't find that one person, who, that one person who's who knows, okay, I'm going to come under criticism for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know, that I'm going to, I'm going to speak out anyway. So that's, that makes it really important and really valuable when we can get that one person. Yeah. Well, last week you talked a little bit about the schools that you were in. I want to talk about the extreme ends. I want to talk a little bit about uh, middle school 
And yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that medical and law school. And we're going to do that when we come back from our very brief break. So hold tight. And thank you, Kristen Hawkins, for being with us right now. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation with Kristen Hawkins here on Choose Life Radio. This is part two of an interview we began last week. If you missed last week's broadcast, you can catch up by listening to it as a podcast on our website. Visit chooseliferadio.com, click on the podcast section, and you'll have access to all of our prior broadcasts. You can listen to them again, download them, or share them with friends. That's at chooseliferadio.com. And while you're there, if you'd like to contact Jill, drop her an email. Her contact information is posted for you as well. ChooseLifeRadio.com And now let's get back to today's conversation. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio, and I'm Jill Taylor here as your host today, and we're blessed to have Kristen Hawkins with us of Students for Life of America. We are on some incredibly rough territory here, I think, when we're talking about how to reach middle school children. I think parents of middle school children don't know how to reach them on anything, so I think it's pretty difficult. I think my first four years of teaching career was in junior high, and boy, those are kids that are just absolutely full of energy and uh, making all sorts of growth changes. So tell us a little bit, if you will, what... uh, what kind of program is effective in that middle school year? What we've seen is, you know, just starting the conversation is effective, of having a conversation of why human beings have value. Hmm. Do human beings have value? That's, you know, our middle school curriculum, we actually start out with like a six-week series of just kind of educating the young young kids in the club more than going out and educating their peers, just educating themselves about why do you, you know, you kind of have this, you're not born with this instinct, right, that human beings are special, that human beings have value, but why is that? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things we have to start talking our, to our students about is you have value. All of us have value. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, atrocities that happen to human beings, we get so upset with them, right? Because we know we all have value and that human beings should be treated with dignity and honor and respect. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the first things that we, we do in, in the middle school level. I just personally had this conversation with my son, who's 10 years old, about abortion. He's a mature 10. He has cystic fibrosis, he and my daughter. And so we talk a lot about serious topics in my house. Mm-hmm. And Gunnar, you know, listens and he hears my conversations with my husband. He's gone to work events with me. He's heard me speak. He's he's seen the protesters on campuses. He's gone to some schools with me and sat there as people were protesting me. Mm-hmm. He, wanted to know, he wanted to know what was going on and what really happens with abortion. And so I sat him down. I actually had a, uh, some of my team members were here with me that day. We were filming an event, so I actually had them set up a video camera. Uh, as so, when we talked, we would have you know video proof of just his, his facial reactions. You know, because mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of times you talk to the young kids, like they have the reaction that all of us have when you first hear about abortion, mm-hmm. but they're unafraid to like let it show. Yeah. Because they realize it's a, it's a black and white issue, that it's a baby, it's a life, and that life shouldn't be killed. Right. And Gunner's never really heard the, the, the excuse on the other side of, well, you know, it might be a baby, but the mom has more rights or the child has less rights. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really wanted to have that kind of video, video proof of, 
how it affected him is mm-hmm. I kind of, I described abortion to him. I had my fetal models and I didn't show him any bloody pictures, mm-hmm. but I showed, I told him what happened. And it was just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I, I had a hard, hard time just getting through it myself, trying to explain it to him. And I, I put it on social media. I put the video a couple months later on social media, actually just about a month ago. And it was fascinating. I was watching the comments, and people were obviously very angry with me of, why would you tell your son this? Let your kid be a kid. Don't tell your son this. And I said, well, first of all, I'm telling my son because I know he's on his iPad. Uh, he can Google things. Um, I know where Planned Parenthood targets. I have to be the one to take responsibility. Mm, right. And yes, this is a difficult subject. It's not something I want to talk about, but this is the reality of what happens in our society. And the other point is, if you have a hard time watching me and telling my son what abortion is, maybe you should be more outraged at the fact that this happens 2,500 times a day. Mm, yeah. That abortion actually is taking place. If you're mad that I had to tell my son what abortion is, you should actually be mad at abortion. Mm-hmm. That right. abortion happens. Right. You know, I shouldn't have had to tell my son. You're, people are absolutely right. I should never have had to tell my son what abortion is. But the reality is it's it's happening in our society. And he needed to know. He's heard it. He wanted to know. Um, I felt that, you know, I haven't told my nine-year-old. I don't think he's ready for this. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of depends on the child's age. But I think that's one of the biggest challenges, especially with Christian homes. I always joke, like, I still haven't gotten the birds and bees talk from my parents. Um, <laughs> I, it was very, you know, I mean, I learned it in school. Uh, you know, my yeah. sex ed in school was what formed me. And Kristen, then when you I was right 15, this is right on. I walked into that pregnancy center. That was that was a very informative day for me. My parents are always like, you're having another baby? I'm like, well, you know, you never had did have the talk with me, so I guess I don't know where they came from. <laughs> um, and, and I have great, great Christian parents, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's an awkward subject. No one wants to talk about it. Right. And, but it's like, you can't let, you cannot, if you don't talk to your kid about this, there are teachers who probably aren't going to be where you're going to be are going to talk to them about this. Yeah. Planned Parenthood is going to be talking to them about this. Because yes. guess what? They come into the schools and offer to teach sex ed. So the teachers don't have to have the uncomfortable conversations. And the teachers are all more than willing to let Planned Parenthood come in and do that for them, to yeah. outsource this job. And so it's this is the reality of, like, as parents, we have to have hard conversations, and we kind of need to suck it up and have these conversations. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And that is... Wisdom uh, personified on this issue because we assume that we will get that chance to do it, but the reality is they'll have heard it from friends or they'll have heard it from magazines that friends have or they'll have heard it in the classroom from Planned Parenthood people. Let me switch to the other end of that. How do you deal with this in the areas of medical and law graduate schools? Sure. Men law schools are, are challenging places because students are so busy, and, and they've got a lot on their plates. And so what we really try to do is to make it as simple as possible, to plan events, speakers, you know, well-respected med, med folks. So anybody who's like a doctor or a nurse or a, even an attorney um, who's kind of been involved in like medical decisions, decisions that are happening in the hospital level, we bring them into the med schools and into the law schools. Uh, someone who's kind of been there, someone who's kind of been in the is in the industry, uh, who's has a respected authority figure to talk about issues that are going to come up, especially with the med school students. You know, we find that they have, you know, they get a class their first year med school and medical ethics, and that's it. If you look at some of these med- medical schools, that's a, it's very scary. 
and what's being being taught and what's not being taught is very scary. So you actually have a lot of students who have very complex questions and issues that come up. We just had an issue last week where a student was saying, you know, help, I'm being told I have to go and commit this abortion in my rotation. Right. Wasn't told that there was another option. Wasn't told that he could opt out. It was me saying, no, you can refuse. Here's the number of the lawyer to call. And here's a physician you can call who's gone through this before, and they'll tell you how to work around it. And so it's it's a huge issue. So for men in law schools, we just we simply try to bring respected professionals in who can talk about their personal experiences, uh, things that have happened to them in their careers, how they dealt with it, and to really to give students some more information uh, and some more you know decision and kind of analytical ability to kind of process some of this stuff. I want to just bring up and touch on that topic real quickly of. What if we are saving all these babies and we have a world of women who are in need for material support? And I just want to offer that I would pray that that would be the incredible opportunity of so many centers who are storing clothing for babies and mm-hmm. storing material right. support, that that it's a great opportunity to think that God will open those pantries. And I've never seen a church that isn't willing to throw a shower that's right. just unbelievable for this, this issue. As a matter of fact, I think they feel that's their only way to help, is to give material support for women who make that decision to save the life of their child. So my hope is that we can check that off as God has a way to meet that need and he is just holding us up to do everything we can in our power to stop abortion in this nation that claims to be a nation of rights of all people. (laughs) And here we have women and men, future, who are little baby boys and little baby girls who have no rights in our nation. So we need to change that clearly. Is there anything else that you want to cover in the next few minutes before we get ready to close and pray for you? Because I promised last week we'd be praying for you, and so I want to be sure we do that live. Well, I think it's, you know, I think we're going to hear a lot of talk in the coming year, especially as the presidential election gears up about reversing Roe. And I think reversing Roe is going to be used as a scare tactic from the other side, but I think we need to actually need to talk about it. What does a country without Roe versus Wade look like? And really start disputing those myths that women weren't dying of back alley abortions. Mm-hmm. The Planned Parenthood themselves have admitted that 90% of physicians you know, who are committing abortions were physicians in good standing. That Planned Parenthood and the CDC has admitted that the death rate from illegal abortions before Roe in the early 70s was under 100 women a year. And even in the 60s, it was less than 500 women a year. That it wasn't tens of thousands, as as the abortion industry is going to try to say. And we need to paint a picture mm-hmm. for what America in 2021, 2022, without abortion looks like, and what happens when Roe is reversed. That the decision of abortion goes back to states, and we're going to have abortion states, and we're going to have non-abortion states. It's going to mm-hmm. be very similar to what happened in our country before the Civil War, where you had slave states and non-slave states. It's going to give us a chance at that point then to fight state by state to make abortion illegal. I think we also have to do a good job of painting that picture of how we are going to care more and how we actually do care more. Like I said, I think it was last week about how, you know, the abortion industry does a very good job of marketing who they are and who they want people to think we are. And what they tell people we are is that we just don't care that we just want to restrict women's rights to have fun, that we're these prudes, and that, you know, we force her to have these babies, but then after she has her baby, we don't care about her. 
And that's simply going to be further from the truth. Right. It's like, have you ever met a pro-life person? Have you ever gone to our churches? Have you ever asked for help? So we have to do a better job, I think, of explaining who we are mm-hmm. and all the resources we have available and marketing those resources mm-hmm. to every single woman in crisis. So she knows that she will never have to be forced to make this false mm-hmm. choice between the life of her child mm-hmm. and her education or her career. And to be very careful how we address those people. I mean, I think of Christ at the well with the woman who just asked some very simple questions that allowed her to open up and say, well, how do you know How do you know me that mm-hmm. way? We know what they're feeling. We know their fears. And we know their, their sensitivity to criticism and judgment. So it's really important as Christians and believers that we take care of those clients in such a gentle way. May we pray for you, Kristen. Sure, I love it. Okay. Well, Father God, thank you for actually two incredible programs that Kristen has been willing to do in the last couple of weeks for us to educate us on what's going on in the world of the fight against abortion. We just are so grateful for there to be voices that are standing up on college campuses and high school campuses. We pray for those who are speaking in middle schools and in graduate classes, Father, that you will uh, lift them up and protect them and that your truth will reign. Because, Father, you love life, you give life, and we celebrate that. So we protect uh, Kristen Hawkins and her family as she continues to serve you in a mighty way. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave us life eternal. Amen. Kristen, thank you so much for being with us. What a delight. You are a plethora of information. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun these past couple weeks. Oh, good. Good, good. All right. Well, thank you for being there. And again, for you as uh, someone who's been along with us on this, this journey of talking, we just encourage you to stay tuned next week for our next opportunity to talk about Choose Life. And you can find all of our information on chooseliferadio.com. Goodbye. Have a great day. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.